Hello and welcome to All Things Billy. I'm your host, Michael Anthony Giudicissi. Thanks for joining me for episode 22. Episode 22. Uh, today we're going to talk about an upcoming Billy the Kid series on epics and an upcoming Billy the Kid film that I actually had the pleasure of making. And I'm going to give you some behind the scenes on that and what you can expect. And uh, you can always get in touch with the show. Billy the Kid Rides again at gmail.com on Twitter at BTK Rides. Or if you're listening, watching on YouTube, you can just comment right there and let the comments flow. Um, all right. So let's uh, talk about the Epics series because that's the big one that people have been talking about. Uh, I watched the trailer again this morning. You can find it all over the internet. So it's just Billy the Kid Epics EPIX. Uh, and uh, there's a two and a half minute trailer. I, I know one of the things that people have written, I've seen on social media, when they watch it, they go, oh, more Hollywood bullshit. Well, everything is Hollywood bullshit or, you know, Ontario or Toronto or wherever the heck they film this thing. Um, that's, you know, if if you want a real life film about Billy the Kid with only the things that are absolutely true, it's going to be over in a couple minutes. You don't know what he said when he was in the McSween house during the five-day battle. You don't know where he rode on, you know, April 14th, 1879, and, you know, whether he ate a, uh, a steak or a potato. I mean, you don't know any of that. Nobody knows. So you always have to make stuff up. And that's where the, the Hollywood stuff comes in. I couldn't care less, right? I, if you're a historian or an enthusiast of Billy the Kid, you know the history. So you can sit there and compare it and go, well, that didn't really happen. Uh, in the trailer, um, there's a, a section where Billy and his family, it looks like, are coming across country, uh, you know, crossing, uh, heading out west. And he's still a young boy. And some guy looks like he's trying to rape Billy's mother, Catherine. And Billy pulls a gun on the guy and... Um, the the guy says something, you know, don't go ruining a, uh, that's my dog, Jake, in the background. Don't go ruining, you know, a good life over something that doesn't mean anything and uh, or something that doesn't matter. And, and young Billy says it matters to me. I don't know if he kills the guy or not. I don't think so. But there's definitely a section where he kills uh, somebody who looks like Wendy Cahill. So that if that's still his first kill, then young Billy probably just stood this would be rapist down. I wonder if the guy's name was Carl Farber by any chance in any event. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't, I've never heard that story. I've never heard that that actually happened. Um, you know, Billy, it looks like has a real father that accompanies them out West. I've never heard that that happened either. So there's, there's quite a bit of invented stuff. The, the one that always gets me is the gun spinning. Um, it's like nobody, <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can put their gun away without spinning it four time, four or five times first. <laughs> it's so it would be like you, uh, you know, sweeping up your kitchen and having to spin your broom <laughs> four or five times before you put it in the closet. Uh, it seems kind of silly, but it's cool to watch, right? And so I, I, you know, I enjoy that. I enjoy that part, but I don't, I don't anticipate. I don't think that. All of the gunslingers are just ordinary folks that carried a gun in the Old West, had to spin it four or five times before they could actually put it back in their holster. <laughs> oh, I'm cracking myself up. So 
that is, uh, you know, definitely made for film. It looks very cool on film, you know, and you put the sound effect in and uh, that's also uh, pretty fun. So the, the story is uh, a, let's see, uh, what do they call it? Like a kind of a romantic drama of Billy's life uh, and uh, which he may have had a very romantic life. I don't know. My senses tell me that there was not a lot of romance in his life. There was probably a fair amount of sex and there probably was, you know, a girlfriend or 10, but I mean like real romance, like this passionate lovemaking. And there's a scene where they show the girl arching her back and they're lying there in bed and they're making love. And I, yeah, probably, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I think he was a wanted man for a good portion of his short life, if he did have a short life. And so uh, I don't know that there was a lot of time for that kind of romance, but maybe there was. Maybe somebody, maybe the writers of the series have a uh, an inside uh, uh, flow of information that I don't know about. So Tom Blythe uh, stars as Billy the Kid. Um, Tom is a good-looking kid guy. Uh, let's see. I don't think it gives us his age here. I'm on IMDb. Um, but, uh, yeah, pretty good looking guy, broad shoulders. So, you know, you're not going to get a narrow sloping shouldered Billy, the kid with wide hips, uh, not here. You're, you're going to get the Hollywood version. Um, Tom Blythe has been in, was in one episode of the Gilded Age, which looks like it's been released. Uh, and he's been in, a few other things. Uh, Robin Hood, I don't know what, as a feral child back in 2010. Pelican Blood, Uncredited, Fibs, Fluffy, Wash Club, Rise, all short films. Scott and Sid, which looks like it might be a movie, Benediction. Yeah, so he's a relative newcomer um, to acting. Uh, six foot tall, so again, you're going to have to suspend disbelief and, you know, subtract four inches or so. Uh to uh, make him, you know, appear like Billy, or they had to get really, really tall actors to make him appear short and more slight. But he looks like kind of buff Billy um, in the in the clips that I've seen. Uh, I did see that Tom Blythe, uh, after being cast in the role, did go to Lincoln. And there were some pictures posted of him there, I think with his girlfriend, and, uh, you know, doing some research, which I think is cool. Uh, that brings up another thing. It's hard to tell in the trailer like where he's at exactly. You know, there's some sections where he's riding through town or some. <laughs> That's Jake digging into his bed, I guess. Yep, sure is. So uh, where he's riding into town, I'm sure some of those towns are Lincoln. Uh, nothing looked particularly like, particularly like Lincoln. And it's pretty tough to pull off because there are not many Old West towns that looked like Lincoln, or there's not many Old West uh, movie sets that look a lot like Lincoln. Um, if you go back to the first Young Guns movie, they filmed that in Cerritos, New Mexico. They built some of the buildings and facades, but essentially that was just real buildings that were there. And that looks nothing like Lincoln. You know, the two-block street with lots of two-story buildings, uh, not at all. Uh, the second one they filmed, some of it in, uh, I don't know if it was old Tucson Studios, uh, but they filmed some of it in Arizona, and that was a bunch of, you know, uh, like a very traditional Western set, false-fronted wood buildings. That looks nothing like Lincoln. Um, the Kid, uh, the uh, Vince D'Onofrio movie, 
they filmed at Bonanza Creek Ranch. That looks nothing like Lincoln. I've filmed at Bonanza Creek Ranch, a Billy the Kid thing, and it looks nothing like Lincoln. So it, if you really want that look, you probably have to build the set. If I ever get to make the Back to Billy feature film, which is, I, I hope I do someday, but I don't know. But it, I would do it on a set that was built to look like, a scaled down set that was built to look like old Lincoln. Um, because it otherwise it looks like a very typical Western and it's hard to pull off. But again, this is, this is movie making. Uh, this is not designed to be a historical documentary. So Tom Blythe, we'll see how old Tom does in that. Um, Jesse Evans, who apparently is uh, one of the key main characters here, he's in seven of the eight episodes, is played by Daniel Weber. And Daniel Weber played, this is cool, he played Vince Neil in the uh, Motley Crue biopic, uh, The Dirt, which is on Amazon. <clears throat> and if you haven't seen it, uh, it's great fun. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, that was my era of growing up. And uh, he, uh, or the movie, it's, I mean, it's campy, right? I mean, it's not high drama. It's not Shakespeare, but it really does kind of capture that time frame. Uh, so it's a, it's a fun, fun movie. If you have Amazon and you want to see the, the guy that's playing Jesse Evans in uh, the Billy the Kid series, Daniel Weber, go watch The Dirt and uh, look for Vince Neil, the lead singer of Motley Crue, and you'll uh, you'll see him. Um, uh, he also played Lee Harvey Oswald. Wow, he's playing some uh, some pretty good characters in a movie called Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three, which would be the date that uh, that uh, Kennedy was shot. It's on Hulu, and it was made in twenty sixteen. So that's very cool. Uh, so as I looked at the uh, cast list. On IMDb, Billy's in eight episodes, Jesse Evans is in seven, and everybody else is in no more than four, which tells me that uh, you have a pretty good chance that this move, this uh, show is essentially about Billy and Jesse. And I'm looking for, I don't know who Billy was shagging in uh, the, let's see, Dulcinea? from uh, actress Nuria Vega. Looking, is there, uh, I don't see anybody else. Look, Mary O'Connor, maybe Billy had a had a toss with her. Uh, Wendy Cahill, yeah, there's really not. Maddie, Hattie Keen, she's, she's pretty. Maybe Billy got a turn with her. So anyway, uh, it doesn't look like there's any Paulita Maxwell. And I'm I'm quite sure they've saved stuff because this just runs through uh, Billy's time uh, in the Lincoln County War and not afterwards. So I'm, I'm quite sure that they're thinking, hey, let's see how this thing does. And if we're going to order up another season, let's make sure that <laughs> we've got something that we, you know, we've got a story that we can tell. So good uh, storytelling and filmmaking. And uh, you can narrow down the story from Billy's childhood in New York City, which clearly is represented because you can see it in the trailer, uh, at least through killing Cahill and winding up in uh, the Lincoln County War. So who knows how far that goes? Clearly, Jesse Evans, from the time that Billy arrived in New Mexico uh, after killing Cahill, uh, up through the war, when they were on opposite sides, were uh, associates, 
friends, maybe, I don't know. Um, but you know, how far does it go? Why is Jesse Evans the main foil or friend, uh, in this series? And it's probably because maybe up through the killing of Tunstall or, you know, shortly thereafter, that's probably where this, these first eight episodes end. Um, so we'll see. April 24th, you got about six weeks to wait, uh, five or six weeks until the premiere of that, uh, directed by Michael Nankin, two episodes, Rachel Lederman, one, Otto Bathurst, unknown episodes. So who knows, Michael Hurst wrote the uh, series. Um, and that's all uh, that we have as far as the uh, key filmmakers um, for this series, other, other than... Uh, other than the executive producers, uh, which probably are some of the people that put up some of the money to make this thing. But there's quite a list of characters here, historical. So obviously Billy and Jesse, Kathleen McCarty, John Beckwith, Bob Ollinger, played by Sean Owen Roberts. And again, he looks like a really young, like good looking fit dude. So <laughs> I don't know how they made him look like Ollinger. Ash Upson, uh, who is, uh, let's see, Ryan Kennedy plays Ash Upson. And and uh, I could see he could probably pull it off, but he's a young guy, good looking. A lot of these actors are Canadian or uh, Brits uh, or Irish actors. Uh, let's see what this guy's been in. For All Mankind, Tin Star. Oh, he's been in The Good Doctor. Uh, so that's good. Yeah. So there's uh, Ryan Kennedy playing uh, Ash Upson. George Coe, Irene Riley, Johnny Riley's wife, Susan McSween, Jimmy Dolan. Oh, let's see who Jimmy Dolan is played by. A guy named Chad Rook. Well, Chad Rook looks like Zoolander. Like he's got the square, <laughs> the square jaw and the blonde, like the perfect hair. Um, but he's done, it looks like at least one other Western called Joe Pickett for Spectrum. Matt uh, was out last year. Uh, 53 credits. So the guy's been around for sure. Always oh, been in Virgin River. I think that's the series my wife likes. Um, in fact, I'm sure it's the series my wife likes. Oh, how cool. Well, I'll have to let her know about that. The 100 Siren, Perfect Pickup Terror. Yeah, so A Million Little Things. I know that's another show my wife watches. Lethal Weapon TV series, Supernatural. Yeah, so Jimmy Dolan. Uh, Jimmy Dolan got to be like model, model hot, <laughs> not the the little man that uh, <laughs> that people remember from history. Riley Saturnino Baca, Alex McSween, uh, Dulcinea. I'm not really sure exactly who that is. Uh, Lawrence G. Murphy, Charlie Bowdry, uh, Henry Antrim. So I guess that's uh, hmm. Who's Henry Antrim? He's played by an older, not, not older, but, you know, guys probably in his thirties named Jamie Beamish, Henry Antrim. That's very interesting. Uh, I thought Henry Antrim was Billy the Kid. Maybe it's a flash forward. Maybe they're going to have Billy live beyond the grave and be brushy or Miller or who knows. Um, no, because there's a young Billy, uh, Milkiara Sagura. So they're going with that story. Um, Patrick McCarty, that would be the father, I guess. Joe Grant is played by a guy named Teach Grant. How cool. Didn't even have to remember his last name. Mary O'Connor, is that one of Billy's teachers? Dr. Daniel Appel, 
Sam Wortley from the Wortley Hotel, Wendy Cahill, uh, Henry Hooker. Uh, so uh, we've got a lot of real, I don't know who Hattie Keene is. Never heard that name, but there's Prostitute, Juliana, the Sheriff, Mexican Woman, Chisholm Cowboy. So yeah, there's a, there's a pretty fair amount of historical characters represented here. Um, and you know, when you look on IMDb, it's everybody's best picture. So when you, you know, when you get to the, the makeup and the hair and the wardrobe, they can make them look a lot of different ways. Henry Antrim, though, that's kind of interesting. I wonder who the heck Henry Antrim is, uh, because Henry Antrim slash McCarty would be Billy the Kid. And this is a completely different actor. And he's, and he's clearly older than the actor playing, um, playing Billy. So uh, maybe maybe there's even more uh, Hollywood stuff <laughs> that we have to figure out before we do this. So it's on Epics, April 24th, Billy the Kid. And if you like it and you watch it and you comment on it, then there'll probably be another series. There'll probably be a, a, a part or a season two, maybe season three. I think if you're going to do season two and this only goes, let's say this goes through the five-day battle or something. Well, season two takes you, uh, you know, through Billy's life and romances and loves after that. So you go up through uh, maybe the time where he's rustling cattle and he's uh, working with Wallace to get a pardon and those kind of things. And then you save a season three for the, uh, the, the uh, killing of, uh, of Folliard and Bowdry and uh, Billy's you know, capture and trial and blah, blah, like all those things. So I think you can easily get three seasons out of this. If you really were greedy, you probably could get four. But if you went into this thinking you were actually going to do four seasons, which I don't think they'll get, um, then you probably would only take Billy in season one, kind of up through arriving in Lincoln and, uh, you know, meeting Tunstall and those kind of things. You'd save the Lincoln County War for a season unto itself. And then you'd save those other two things. But, um, I, you know, Billy the Kid is, is a, it's a good story, but, you know, recent projects, the, the movie The Kid, uh, I mean, I'm sure it's doing uh, more revenue on pay-per-view and on advertising-supported TV, and it'll continue to make money forever. But, you know, $5 million bucks return on a $5 million investment's not, yeah, I mean, that you just make your money back. Um, Old Henry has probably done pretty well, but it did, you know, in a very limited release at the box office, didn't do well at all. Um, and was a very low budget film, uh, less than $3 million, I think. So there's a lot of Billy the Kid stuff, I mean, <laughs> yours truly contributing to that. But this this is not like Marvel Comics type money. There, I don't think there's any more Young Guns or Young Guns 2. I, I, I just don't believe you're going to see that, at least in this generation. There needs to be some waning of interest and then, you know, there'll be some big splashy film or something 20 years from now or 30 years from now. And the, and the legend will, will be revived again, but for, uh, but for the time being, I don't think we're going to, we're going to see any, uh, you know, hugely successful Billy the Kid projects. And I don't think we're going to see four seasons of Billy the Kid on Epics. Um, we might only see one, but, um, maybe if you watch it, like again, comment on it, subscribe to epics. I don't even know how the heck you get epics to be honest with you, 
Uh, but if you do all those things and you get your friends to do it, then somebody will look and go, okay, well, we spent, I don't know what they spent on this thing. It's got to be 20 million bucks, maybe more. Um, yeah, well, let's make another season. Let's do eight more episodes. Um, but if it's marginal and they decide, eh, you know, maybe, maybe we'll make another season, then they'll probably write it all the rest of the story in eight episodes or whatever number they need, right? They'll just finish it up so that they can have a complete thing because it's easier to sell it in the future, right? Whoever owns the, you know, the rights to the series, whether it's epics or the production company, it's easy to sell it somewhere else. If it's a complete story, it's a lot harder if you go, well, here, I've got two seasons of Billy the Kid, but it doesn't really end anywhere because we never made the last season. There was a show on ABC called uh, Resurrection, I think. And it was about these people in this little town that kept coming back from the dead, like over and over. Um, it wasn't a zombie movie. And I think there were two seasons of it. I can't remember, but I, I remember watching it and enjoying it. And I remember at the end of the season, they very quickly, like literally within five minutes, had to put an ending on that would make some sort of sense. Uh, because they were not picked up for another season and they wanted to have a finished product because you want to keep selling it. If you're ABC, you want to sell it to whoever's downline or put it on one of your other networks um, and keep placing it and have that thing continue to generate revenue for you. Um, and so uh, the same thing I would imagine with Billy the Kid series, um, if they uh, if they don't get another season, uh, but they'll have to get at least one more unless they've filmed something right? They could have filmed a little 10 minute retrospective. And if they get into this thing, six or seven episodes, and it looks like it's not going well, and they're not going to do another one, then they may clip that 10 minutes on five minutes even of, oh, and here's kind of what happened in Billy escaped jail. And then you see him riding away in Fort Sumner shot in the dark women screaming, you know, so they may already have that that would be good filmmaking. Uh, just in case, um, but we just don't know. So we'll see. April 24th, Epics, Billy the Kid with Tom Blythe. Uh, if I can find Epics and figure out how to watch it, I'll I'll definitely watch it. So there you go. All right. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about the final trial of Billy the Kid. I just told you how, how unpopular, <laughs> not really, but uh, how Billy the Kid stuff is not, uh, is not uh, you know, uh, really, really popular. But there's a niche market out there, and uh, I think they'll enjoy the final trial of Billy the Kid. We'll talk about that after this. And we're back on all things Billy with me, your host, Michael Anthony Judicissi, who happens to be the writer and director and in some regard producer, although I do not enjoy producing, writer and director of the upcoming film, the Final Trial of Billy the Kid. A number of you have seen the trailer. Um, it was 1,200 views or so on Facebook, several hundred more on uh, YouTube. So, yeah, it's getting out there. Uh, why the final <laughs> trial of Billy the Kid? This uh, project started back in November of 2020. And there wasn't much in the way of filmmaking going on because we were, you know, right in the middle of COVID, still in that really, you know, everybody's scared phase. And so uh, I uh, 
my 30 seconds in hell film had been delayed. I don't know, three times by then. Um, and so there really wasn't much you could do. And so I, I just thought, you know what, I'm going to get a camera and I'm going to go out on the road and I'm going to do a documentary on Billy the Kid. Now there's been plenty of documentaries, so it wasn't something I thought, oh, I'm going to get rich here, <laughs> despite what people <laughs> say in social media that, oh, this is just a money grab. You're just doing this to make a quick buck. Uh, but anyway, the, I just wanted to make something. And of course, I've had a, a long time uh, interest in Billy's story. And so, but really what I wanted to know was more of not why we don't know exactly what happened to him on July 14, 1881, but why we can't know, right? Why the Gale Coopers of the world sue Lincoln County into oblivion? Why uh, we can't get DNA from the grave? Why they can't get Brushy's DNA? Like, why are they so protective of that if they're sure he's Billy? Um, why... There's nothing to match Miller's DNA to. Why nobody in Prescott even cares about John Miller? Like it, he's not even a, a known entity there. So I just wanted to know why. And we've ta talked about this before. You know, people say, oh, it's all the tourist dollars. It's not the tourist dollars. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't. It's not. Okay. Billy the Kid tourism in New Mexico is not nearly as big as you think it is. And it's certainly not in Fort Sumner. So there's, the, the, I wanted to understand like, why, why are people so protective of whatever the truth is? There's only one truth. Anything else is fake news. One truth. Something happened on July 14th, 1881. Billy was killed or he wasn't. And if he wasn't, was he brushy? Was he Miller? Was he somebody else? You know, what happened? Was he even there? And why can't we know? Well, we could know, go a long way toward knowing if we had access to, you know, all of the evidence, which would include DNA. But I just wanted to know why. I've, I haven't given up on finding out the actual truth. But the first thing is to figure out why you can't know the actual truth. So uh, I hit the road uh, with, a, uh, with a producer and a cinematographer, and we started interviewing people went to Fort Sumner and interviewed uh, Gerald Klein, city councilor, and at that time uh, working for the Fort Sumner DeBaca Chamber of Commerce. Dave Bailey, former mayor of uh, Fort Sumner, we interviewed. We interviewed a number of people who were stopping by the grave that day and asking them what they knew or thought about Billy the Kid. Interviewed Steve Cedarwall, uh, Governor Bill, former New Mexico Governor Bill Richardson, who oversaw the state during that tumultuous lawsuit period and attempt to dig up Billy's remains, author David Thomas, um, and the list goes on. And so the, the idea was going to put all these together in a format that will help people understand what's preventing us from knowing the truth. But there is existing evidence for Brushy Bill for John Miller and for Pat Garrett's story. There's not a ton of it for any of those uh, claimants, I guess, uh, because the people that could speak directly to what happened are long since dead. And unless their, uh, their testimony or their story were memorialized somehow, not orally, not just, I know that's what she said, um, but not you know, hearsay, unless it was written down or recorded somehow, then it wouldn't be considered evidence today. It couldn't be considered. So, uh, you know, the, the idea there was 
that m- there should be a component of this film that's a trial. Like we'll cut back and forth. You'll see Cedarwall or Thomas say something or talk about some evidence, and then we'll go to the courtroom, and then you'll see it like a you know a real uh, not a real. You'll see a, an attorney and a and a defendant talking about it, and so it would be like a flashback to a court case or a, a trial that never really took place historically. But then I th- I thought back to a conversation I had in December. I want to give you the right date. I think it's December 2019 when I released my first film uh, in their own words, Billy the Kid in the Lincoln County War. You can see it on Amazon Prime, Zumo, X-U-M-O dot com, I guess, or dot TV. It's on a number of those networks. Um, and I was after the premiere, which we did down in Fort Sumner, uh, Kelly Kidd was there who portrayed Pat Garrett in the film and Daniel Cruz who portrayed Billy the Kid. And I pulled him aside and I said, hey, guys, I got this idea. Kind of crazy, but I wonder if you'd be interested. I want to I want to film a trial about what happened to Billy. And before I even finished, Kelly Kidd, who you know who we've interviewed on the show, he said, I'm in. I'm in. I know what you're talking about. Like, I'll do it. And Daniel Cruz said, yeah, I, w- I would definitely do that. So uh, way back then, that's uh, we're going back two and a half years or close to it. Um, I had this idea for a trial. Well, as we were producing this uh, documentary and filming these interviews and thinking about cutting away to a trial, then I thought, well, wait a minute. What about a real trial? In other words, why don't we actually give the evidence to real attorneys, real researchers, put it in front of a real judge and hold a trial. There'd be no legal standing, obviously. But why not hold a trial? Let's see what would come out of it. And so the idea for the final trial of Billy the Kid as a completely separate project was born. Now, somewhere on the way to holding a real trial, everything went (laughs) sideways. First of all, finding a venue sounds way, way easier than it is. The first place I wanted to hold the final trial of film it was in Lincoln in the old courthouse, up second floor where they have, you know, it's set up as a courthouse now. And working with the state of New Mexico proved to be just fucking ponderous. New Mexico, get your act together for Jesus. So the, I'm, I'm not going to embarrass anybody my, by mentioning names, but the guy that was running the Monuments Division for Lincoln at that point, he's since either left or been fired. I don't know. It took months to get an, an, an answer to a simple email and trying to get a permit to film, uh, you know, trying to get a cost for what it would be. And we're getting, I mean, you schedule filming and you go, okay, it's January. We want to film in June. Well, that's plenty of time. But if it takes two months to get an answer to one question, it's not plenty of time. And you've got to get people down there and you got to find lodging for them and you got to feed them and and all these things. You can't just wait until the last minute and go, oh, yeah, yeah, we finally got our permit. We can film. So finally, after months and months and months, that guy was gone. Here's what we came up with. You would only be allowed to film for two days. The monument, uh, the the museums are closed. I think it's Tuesday and Wednesday. I forget now because I've tried to scrub it from my mind. But I think it's Tuesday and Wednesday. Otherwise, you're not allowed to film 
during the monument hours. They're not going to close any of the museums, which I understand. The problem is you can't film a movie in two days. And so you would say, well, okay, we'll film two days and come back the next week. Well, what do I do with my actors from Florida and from Texas and from Denver? Do I put them up for a week, give them a vacation? Where does that money come from? I mean, these, this is a lower budget film. So, and there's not money to do that. And so, you know, trying to fit it all into two days would be almost impossible, but we said, all right, well, you know, we'll, we'll cut back the amount of material and we'll try. And then I got the cost and the cost itself for the building. I think the permit was maybe 400 bucks a day, which, eh, you know, it for a lower budget film is, is a lot, but okay. But then you got to hire one of the monument employees for some ridiculous hourly fee that there's no way that they're you're 35 or $40 an hour. They're not making that, but that's what you have to pay them. And you have to pay them for at least 10 hours. And then you have to have a million dollar liability policy. And then you have to pay a cleaning fee. And then you have to pay it. It was like 2,500, 3000 bucks just, just to film for two days. That doesn't include paying the cast and crew or feeding them or anything. And I said, this is nuts. I'm not doing this. And by the way, historically, it would have been really interesting to film in the Lincoln County Courthouse, but cinematographically, <laughs> whatever that word is, I think it would have been challenging. The sound would have definitely been a challenge, that old building with those adobe walls and the, you know, the sound ringing everywhere, you know, wood floors. It, it's, it's tough. So I don't know that it would have translated as well on film as it would if you were actually there. But that was the idea. And then we wanted to go to Fort Sumner and use the uh, courtroom in Fort Sumner. I think there's a county courtroom. And again, most of the time, the courtroom's not in use. But that doesn't mean you can use it. The courtroom actually is the uh, is the province of the judge, where the circuit judge is. And so you have to get clearance from the judge, even if you know the city or the county says you can use the courtroom, the judge still has to okay it. And so we worked on that for weeks and nothing came, you know, you can't get an answer from those people. They could care less about some movie wanting to film in their courtroom. And then you start looking around Albuquerque and this was when Better Call Saul was, uh, you know, filming their final season. So they had the old uh, city courthouse uh, locked down for months because they had a lot of stuff there. And so, and essentially, thank you, Jake. Uh, essentially, they said, yeah, you can film, but only if we're not filming on those days and we won't know until the week before. And I've got, you know, I've got to bring in actors and, and from out of town. There's just no way you can do that. If you have millions of dollars, you can do that. But even then you wouldn't. Even then you would want to, you know, be a, a good steward of that money. So finally, finally, we find the uh, old, I'm going to get Jake to quiet down. So we get the old uh, county, Bernalillo County Courthouse in Albuquerque, which is now inside of Amy Beale High School, which used to be the courthouse. Now it's a high school in downtown Albuquerque. And uh, you'll see in the film, it's, I mean, it's a beautiful old courtroom. Um, and that's where we wound up filming. And there are still pretty significant challenges with filming in a real courtroom, especially an older one because they wouldn't have had carpet for the most part back then. So these are all wood floors and they're plaster walls and they're high ceilings. And so the sound bounces around. 
And that's a pretty significant challenge. And because we have a smaller cast, we're, we're, we don't have an, a gallery or an audience of people there. You have a lot of space to fill up and your wide shots tend to look, um, you know, just kind of stark, like there's not a lot of people there. So there are definitely challenges to filming a trial that are not uh, existing when you're filming, you know, two people sitting in the living room talking. You know, you do an over-the-shoulder shot of one person, look at the other person's face, and then when the dialogue changes to somebody else, you just switch cameras. You go to the other camera. But a courtroom is 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 different. You got the jury, you got the judge, you have the 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 defendant or the person on the stand, and you have the attorney talking. And you know, to be able to get all those angles in and make it look like something is pretty challenging. But we did do a really nice job. I'm very thrilled with the outcome. So the uh, the behind the scenes is the trial takes place in, you know, in one day, essentially, uh, which means the actors are in the exact same wardrobe every day. Uh, so Kaylee McMillan was our wardrobe person. So she had to collect everything. She had to take reference photos. She had to make sure that people looked the same way one day as they did the day before. And if a tie was tied one way, you had to tie it the same way. And if somebody had a sweater on and it was zipped halfway down, then you had to zip that sweater halfway down. That continuity was important. There's a couple of continuity uh, misses or catches in there. Uh, one of which, if you look at the bailiff in uh, which uh, Philip Arin uh, in uh, a couple of the scenes where he's got to break up, you know, something that's about to go down in the courtroom, you know, in, in one uh, one scene where he's, you know, moving a defendant out of the way, his hair's hanging down in front of his face because he ran out there. And then in the next scene, it's <laughs> it's neatly combed to the side. It's like magic self-combing hair. Um, but uh, overall, I think we did a great job. And uh, it, I, I really am excited for you to see it. You know, what is the what is the film about? Well, it's it's a it's about three attorneys presenting the evidence for their clients, John Miller. Brushy Bill Roberts and and Pat Garrett. You can't have Billy the Kid on the stand and say, "Hey, <laughs> did you die on July fourteenth, eighteen eighty one?" Because if that's the first question, he says yes, then the trial's over. If he says no, then you know, then you gotta you gotta kick Pat Garrett to the curb. <laughs> so, uh, so Billy the Kid, other than in flashbacks, played very ably by my son, by the way, Samuel Michael Judasisi. Other than in flashbacks, um, does is not in the courtroom unless Brushy Bill or John Miller or Billy the Kid, and then some older version of Billy is there. But you know the the historical young Billy the Kid is not there. the uh, The flashbacks are what would be called a Rashomon, and that was from a Japanese film back from the sixties or seventies, I think. But essentially, it's one story told from many different viewpoints. And so while you'll see Samuel as Billy, uh, you know, making his way up to the Maxwell house, backing in, what happened next? Uh, there's, there's three separate takes of what happened next, depending upon who's telling their story. And so you'll see him several times throughout the film as the, uh, as the testimony is being delivered with each person saying their version of what happened that night. And I thought it was fair to, to include that so you could get, the audience could get a visual of 
what each of the claimants say actually happened. And I think it turned out really well. So a little behind the scenes, those scenes with Samuel uh, and uh, the uh, the two deputies uh, played by James Blackburn and Royd McCargish. And Royd also played one of the attorneys. But, you know, we we uh, th- these are kind of dark shots. And we we had about two hours to shoot this. Um, and we used a set that used to belong to my buddy Earl Waters up in Rio Rancho, New Mexico. He built this Western town essentially in his backyard, but they sold the house and moved to Tombstone. Uh, and, but he got us in touch with the the owners who left the town standing. And so we went up there to film. So we had about two hours as the sun was going down. I filmed this actually on my iPhone 8. I had a gimbal that I was given uh, by my cinematographer, Carrie Brooks. And a gimbal is a little device that holds the camera or the phone um, and allows it to move naturally. Like it's, it's not like your hand shaking. It, it takes a lot of that movement away. And uh, yeah, we, we lit it. I had a couple of um, maybe three uh, film lights, uh, put a blue gel in the key light or two of the key lights to, ca- to act as like the moonlight. And that's how we got that, that look um, in the film. And uh, we filmed a bunch of little takes of Samuel walking, you know, just his feet. And then you see him kind of adjusting his pants like Billy was said to have done. And then you see him holding the gun and then he walks up on the deputies and backs into the room. Uh, but uh, yeah, all on all on an iPhone. The rest of the, <laughs> the film was shot on professional, you know, uh, cameras. But this was something that I decided upon later and thought we really need this in order to to, you know, kind of hammer home the visual of what happened and, uh, and to bring a whole crew out was just too expensive. You just didn't have the money to do it at that point. So we, there was four of us there, three actors and me, and, uh, we, you know, pulled this thing together and made it happen. Uh, kudos to John Broadhead, who was our editor and took that footage and actually made it into something because when you shoot low light with any camera, it becomes challenging. The lower the light, the more pixelated, grainy, the more rough your footage looks. And you need a really high-end camera and a really good uh, uh, you know, lighting person to get very clean uh, images in low light. Filming with an iPhone that has a tiny little sensor with you know, a couple of little movie lights is not, <laughs> is not optimal. Um, but we... But John filtered it to make it look like it was supposed to look like that, this grainy old footage. And I think he pulled that off well. So we we filmed what, the idea with the real trial, right? The idea of having a real trial, real attorneys was great. Uh, we're, we're talking to a couple of retired federal judges. I had two attorneys on board already that were part of the New Mexico Bar Historical Commission. So in other words, um, they were, there's a, there's a, a, a group of attorneys that uh, specifically are interested in New Mexico history and, uh, and would be interested in activities. And they agreed to donate their time to do that. I had a third attorney uh, then start lining up the experts. So instead of having actors that would portray Brushy and Miller and Pat Garrett, we were going to have experts that historians, authors, um, uh, researchers that would be able to speak to each story. 
right? So you'd have somebody, David Thomas, author David Thomas was going to be the expert witness for Pat Garrett's story of what happened in Fort Sumner. And David Thomas, if, if we had done the trial this way, would have given his testimony under oath. And again, <laughs> this, there's no legal standing for this court, but we're using real law professionals and there's no script. David Thomas would have given his testimony, and then the other attorneys would have the opportunity to cross-examine and impeach his testimony and his uh, evidence. So you would have to sit in front of a real attorney and tell your story based on evidence of what happened, and then you would have to be cross-examined by a real attorney that really knows what they're doing and really knows how to make you look bad. By, uh, you, you know, David Thomas... He raised his hand right away. He said, yeah, I'll do it. The problem came when we started to look for experts for the other two claimants. And uh, I'm not going to embarrass anybody now and name names, but getting people that wanted to sit there and testify for the other stories uh, proved impossible. And I asked everybody, every major name that could do it, and nobody said yes. Well, they all said yes. And then I think sat back and said, oh, well, I'm going to have to testify in front of an attorney. I'm going to have somebody cross-examine me that, you know, really knows how to do that. I'm out. Everybody said yes. And two weeks later said no. So the, at that point, the project was kind of dead in the water. Uh, there wasn't really much I could do to push it forward. Uh, but I did have a, a suggestion by my executive producer, Roy McCargish, who said, script it. You've got all the evidence for all three stories. Just write a script and do it with actors. It's still based on the evidence. And at least this way with actors, you can get it, you know, you know, you'll get a good performance. And so that's how the final trial of Billy the Kid went from a real or pseudo real trial to a scripted courtroom drama but based upon essentially the exact same evidence that would have been presented anyway. And uh, so the film clocks in, it's not a long film, clocks in at 83 minutes, so just shy of an hour and a half. The pace of it, I, I, I enjoy the heck out of it. I've watched it completely three times now, but the pace of it is really good. You, you get people on the stand, they get examined, you get cross-examined, there's, there's anger, there's a lot of emotion there, like I assume there would be. If those people really were in the same room in a trial and Pat Garrett having to face down Brushy Bill or Miller, uh, I mean, yeah, there there would be emotions. Um, Carla Kidd, wonderful actress who portrays Judge Jennifer Croston. That's, an, that's not a historical character. Uh, she, <laughs> she gaveled down. So hard at one point she busted her gavel, like the, 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 the hammer part flew off and she was just gaveling with, the, with the, the handle by that point. So good thing we had a stunt gavel <laughs> that we could uh, hand her because, and if you see it, there's a take there. It's very, very quick. It's just a frame or two, but you can see the thing, you know, break off and, and, and she's just got the handle. So keep a lookout for that in the film. And she had a lot of gaveling to do with this crew because as i said emotions were really really running high in the courtroom the bailiff philip arin also had quite a bit to do because again you got people here that that 
killed each other or didn't or or lied about each other or didn't and so uh there were there were a number of times where things threatened to get out of hand and uh, the bailiff had to uh had to step in and restore some order so you might say well is there a verdict well yeah hashtag the verdict is in <laughs> i really would like you to use that by the way and when we release the film we're gonna you know it'll be a campaign around that um but how did uh how did the verdict get delivered? Well, here's the way it went. The The trial was scripted, right? The actors uh, had a chance to practice. We did a uh, table read of their, um, I think we may have even done two table reads, if I remember correctly, via Zoom, where the actors got to read with each other and I got to give them some direction. And what was not there, in other words, the only thing that was in that script was right up until the jury walked back in to deliver their verdict. Nobody else knew the verdict, not another living soul, because I didn't even write it until the night before we delivered it. In my head, I understood how it would be delivered, but I never wrote it down, never showed anybody. And then when we got to, on that final day of filming, when we were getting to the delivery of the verdict, we took a break. And I took Carla Kid into one of the uh, the classrooms because the, there's classrooms around this old courtroom. And uh, we closed the door and I took out the three page, uh, uh, you know, last scene and I handed it to her. And I didn't even say a word. And she read it and her eyes opened up wide a little bit. And then she kind of tilted her head and then she had, you know, like a, a, like a little smirk on, I think. And I asked her if she had any questions, and uh, she didn't. She's she's a pro. She knows what she's doing. And we just talked a little bit about kind of how to control the courtroom. In other words, this is this is a, a a big verdict here, but we don't know how anybody's going to react because the actress didn't know what was coming. The jury, all of our background actors in the jury, didn't know what what, what the verdict would be. The only two people in the world that knew at that point were myself and Carla. And so we just talked about how the judge would control the courtroom, you know, how we'd go. Cause there's, I'm not going to give away what happened, but there's, there's uh, a twist for sure. And so once we had that, I had her, uh, you know, sit <laughs> back in the judge's uh, chair and uh, told everybody else, gave them some direction that, hey, this the verdict is coming. All the stuff that you've listened to and gone through here is boiled down to this. And whatever your real reaction is, let it go. Because we really only have one shot at the first time of delivering this verdict. Now, we needed to go back and get some additional coverage from the judge and from the jury and individuals you know, involved. So you're not going to get that same newness that you will the first time it's read, but to the credit of the actors, and maybe it wasn't even acting, they, they just nailed it on that, that very first take. So the judge had, I had that three page verdict. We handed it to Kay Rappaport, who was our jury four person. What a lovely lady she is. I got to meet her and talk to her a lot on set and since. And Kesheri was uh, was the one juror that had a speaking line because the judge says, have we reached a verdict? And she says, we have, Your Honor. And so that actual 
those three script pages that I had written and showed to Carla just five minutes earlier, Kesheri handed to Philip, who was the bailiff, and he handed to the judge, and then the verdict was delivered. And, you know, as a, uh, as the director of the film, like you're crossing your fingers going, oh, I hope, <laughs> you know, I hope there's not, uh, you know, somebody falls in the hallway and knocks something over and ruins the take. I hope nobody sneezes in the middle of this. I hope, because again, that first time is the real reaction time and you don't want to screw that up. There's never another first time. And yeah, you could go back and go, hey, why don't you act like this? But I didn't, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to capture what these actors who were really invested in their characters by this point really thought about what that verdict was. And, uh, and we got it and we got it. And I can tell you that whatever the verdict is in that final flashback with my son, Samuel playing Billy, it is echoed in that last bit of the film. So, there's your behind the scenes of the final trial of Billy the Kid. So if you haven't seen the trailer, you can just look on my YouTube channel here. The, uh, it's uh, probably one or two videos before this one. And uh, go ahead and let me know what you think. Uh, on Facebook, you can find the final trial of Billy the Kid. Uh, or I think the page nickname is BTK Final Trial. Just search for that. And that will keep you uh, updated as well on, uh, you can see the trailer and see everything else that will be going on. And uh, right now we're just in the very final stutches, what the heck is that? <laughs> uh, steps, the very final steps of packaging up everything we need to get the film distributed or uh, uh, submitted for distribution. Um, and that includes artwork, you know, poster and those kind of things. The film is complete. The trailer is complete. Um, you know, all of all of these things are in place. So it's just we're we're literally you know days or a week away from doing that. Uh, where will you be able to watch the film? Well, that depends on which distributor we wind up with, but uh, most likely where it will be initially is uh, on a kind of pay per view type situation on Amazon, Apple TV, Google Play, maybe Vimeo, which is a much smaller platform. Um, and then after some period of time, it may move to a subscription-based service. It might be, might be Amazon Prime. Um, and then at some point down the road, six months or a year from now, it could be on uh, an ad-supported network, Tubi, Zumo, um, yeah, networks like that. There's always a chance that somewhere in this distribution process that somebody might step in, a History Channel or somebody like that, and go, hey, we'll take that. Um, and if that happens, then it won't show anywhere else other than there, <laughs> maybe on epics, <laughs> but I doubt it. Uh, so those details will be released as soon as we have them. And, uh, and I think we're, you know, literally weeks, four or five, six weeks away from uh, being able to make that announcement. So you can obviously stay tuned here on the podcast or on uh, the Facebook page, or just connect with me on uh, social media. And uh, I'm sure I'll post about it. But um, yeah, it was uh, great fun to make, really was. You might ask, what happened to the, all those interviews, Michael? Like, where's, where's all the other stuff you shot? And those are uh, sitting in a drive in my safe, and they are being edited into a completely separate film 
which I am, the working title is the Billy the Kid tapes. Because I got so much more there than I expected. And we'll save that for another another day. Uh, I got more than just the, hey, why can't we know about what really happened? Like there are some really compelling and intriguing stories in those interviews, some of which, uh, some of which could implicate people in some pretty significant crimes. And uh, some of which uh, are just very surprising. And so that's something I'm going to be working on editing, and it will be re uh, released later this year, possibly as the Billy the Kid tapes, but uh, that's just a working title for right now. And uh, the, it'll be on very similar platforms at that point. So I appreciate all of you kind of supporting my work, um, and you listening to the podcast, uh, uh, buying and reading the Back to Billy books. That would be, if, if you haven't, do it. <laughs> buy, buy and read them. Um, we shipped out a bunch this week to some new fans, but uh, go to mankindpro.com and you can order books one through five there. And then book six in the trilogy, the final one, uh, is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, anywhere you buy books. And that one is called Four Empty Graves. Um, but any of those things that you do really, I, I, I really appreciate it. You know, my goal is uh, it's to transition full-time to filmmaking and writing at some point here in the near future or in some <laughs> some version of the future. And uh, that all really helps. So thank you. Uh, is there more Billy the Kid stuff coming from Michael Anthony Judicissi? Well, the only thing, the only other thing I would have a significant interest in doing is a feature film, maybe a series, uh, based on the Back to Billy books. Now, the beauty is there's six books. I mean, there's enough there for six complete uh, feature films, but you've got to have an audience for that. Uh, I don't know that that's the kind of thing I would make on my own, or I would have to partner with a studio, production company, you know, larger group of investors, because that type of live action, time travel, special effects thing. I mean, that, that just takes money um, and time. And so we'd have to have a much bigger partner. So I would do that. But aside from that, um, i continue with the podcast. I don't think I have any more back to Billy books in me. I think the story's done there. I don't think we need another, uh, you know, here's the life and times of Billy the Kid movie. I think there's plenty of those. So yeah, back to Billy film or series for me. The podcast will continue because Billy is endlessly riding through our minds, and uh, and you've got I mean, we've got these two films coming out: Billy the Kid tapes and the final trial, Billy the Kid for Mankind Productions. So thanks everybody. Let me know what you're thinking. Let me know what movie you're making or book you're writing. I'd love to uh, check that out. And until next time, this is all things Billy, and I am Michael Anthony Judasissi, and I will see ya. Bye. <laughs>